0: volume two chapter fifth of the antiquary this labrivox recording is in the public domain the antiquary by sir walter scott chapter fifth who will may the boaty row and better may she speed and will may the boaty row that earns the barney's breed the boaty rows the boaty rows the boaty rows full will and nightsome be their life that bear the merlin and the creel Old Ballad. We must now introduce our reader to the interior of the Fisher's Cottage, mentioned in Chapter Eleventh of this edifying history. I wish I could say that its inside was well arranged, decently furnished, or tolerably clean. On the contrary, I am compelled to admit there was confusion, there was dilapidation, there was dirt, good store. Yet with all this... There was about the inmates, Lucky Mucklebacket and her family, an appearance of ease, plenty and comfort, that seemed to warrant their old sluttish proverb, the clardier, the cozier. A huge fire, though the season was summer, occupied the hearth, and served at once for affording light, heat, and the means of preparing food. The fishing had been successful, and the family, with customary improvidence, had since unlading the cargo continued an unremitting operation of boiling and frying that part of the produce reserved for home consumption and the bones and fragments lay on the wooden trenchers mingled with morsels of broken bannocks and shattered mugs of half-drunk beer the stout and athletic form of maggie herself bustling here and there among a pack of half-grown girls and younger children of whom she chucked one now here and another now there with an exclamation of get out of the gate ye little sorrow was strongly contrasted with the passive and half stupefied look and manner of her husband's mother a woman advanced to the last stage of human life who was seated in her wonted chair close by the fire the warmth of which she coveted yet hardly seemed to be sensible of now muttering to herself now smiling vagantly to the children as they pulled the strings of her toy or close cap or twitched her blue checked apron with her distaff in her bosom and her spindle in her hand she plied lazily and mechanically the old-fashioned scottish thrift according to the old-fashioned scottish manner the younger children crawling among the feet of the elder watched the progress of granny's spindle as it twisted and now and then ventured to interrupt its progress as it danced upon the floor in those vagaries which the more regulated spinning-wheel has now so universally superseded that even the fated princess in the fairy tale might roam through all scotland without the risk of piercing her hand with a spindle and dying of the wound late as the hour was and it was long past midnight the whole family were still on foot and far from proposing to go to bed the dame was still busy broiling car-cakes on the girdle, and the elder girl, the half-naked mermaid elsewhere commemorated, was preparing a pile of finthorn haddocks, that is, haddocks smoked with greenwood, to be eaten along with these relishing provisions. While they were thus employed, a slight tap at the door, accompanied with the question, ye up yet, sirs,' announced a visitor. "'The answer,' "'Aye, aye, come your ways, Ben Benhinny,' occasioned the lifting of the latch, and Jenny Rintherout, the female domestic of our antiquary, made her appearance. Hi, hi, exclaimed the mistress of the family. Egg, sirs, can this be you, Jenny? "'A sight to you's good for sign, lass. "'Oh, woman, we've been sight taken up with Captain Hector's wound up by, "'that I haven't had my fit out o'er the door this fortnight.' But he's better now, and I'd sleeps in his room in case he wanted anything. Says, soon as our old folk go to bed, I even snorted my head up a bit, and left the house door in the latch, in case anybody should be wanting in or out while I was away, and just came down the gate to see, and there was only cracks among ye. Hi, ay, ay, answered Lucky Mucklepacket, I see I gotten eye your bras on, and you're looking out for Steenie now, but he's not at home the night, and you no do for Steenie, lass. A feckless thing like you's no fit to maintain a man. Steenie will no do for me," retorted Jenny, with a toss of her head that might have become a higher-born damsel. I might have a man that can maintain his wife. Oh, ay, honey, there's your landward and burrows town notions. My certy fisher wives ken better they keep the man and keep the house and keep the siller too lass hawe'en poor drudges ye are answered the nymph of the land to the nymph of the sea as soon as the keel of the cobble touches the sand dale a bit mare will the lazy fisher loons work but the wives mun kilt their coats and wade into the surf to take the fish ashore and then the man casts off the wot and puts on the dry and sits down with his pipe and his gill stoop a ahint the ingle like on the old hoody, and near a turn will he do till the cobble's afloat again. And the wife, she mun get the scold on her back, and away with the fish to the next borough's town, and scold and ban, will ilk wife, that will scold and ban, where till it's so and that's the gait fisher-wife's life, poor slavin' bodies. Slaves! Guy way, lass, Kai the head o' the house, slaves, little ye ken about it, lass show me a word my saunders dar speak or a turn he dar do about the house without it be just to take his meat and his drink and his diversion like any other wains he has mair sense than to cae anything about the biggin his ain fry the roof-tree down to a crack trencher on the bink he kens well enough why feeds him and clades him and keeps a tight thack and rape when his cobble is jowin away in the firth per falla Nine nae lass them that sell the goods guide the purse them that guide the purse rule the house show me na your bits o farmer bodies that will let their wife drive the stock to the market and cae in the debts nae nay. will, awel awel maggie ilka land has its ain lodge, but where's stinny the night when eyes come and gine and where's the good man I had put in the good man to his bed, for he was even sire for fine and seen he's away out about some barns breakin with the old at Eddie the Ochiltree. they will be in sign, and he can sit down, troth, good wife, taking his seat, I hadn't that muckle time to stop, but I mind tell ye about the news. Yell I heard all the muckle kissed a goad that Sir Arthur has found on by a St Ruth he'll be grander than ever now he'll no can hold down his head to sneeze for fear o seeing his shoon Ho oh, ay ay the country's heard o that but o'er says that they kite ten times more than ever wuss and he saw them hook it up Hoid it would be long or a poor body that needed it got sick o windfy nae that's sure enough and ye'll i heard o the countess o uh, glenallan being dead a nine in, in state, and how she's to be buried at St Ruth's as this night flies with torchlight and how the popist servants and ring ike wood that's a Papist too are to be there, and it will be the grandest show ever was seen, troth honey answered the Nereid, if they let nobody but Papists come there, it'll no be muckle o a show in this country for the old harlot, as honest Mr. Bladeger calls her has few that drink o her cup or enchantments in this corner o our chosen lands but what can ail them to bury the eyed carlin a rudest wife she was in the night-time i dare say our good mother will ken here she exalted her voice and exclaimed twice or thrice good mother good mother but lost in the apathy of age and deafness the aged Sybil, she addressed, continued plying her spindle, without understanding the appeal made to her. "'Speak to your grandmother, Ginny. would I would rather hail the cobble half o' my life, and the nor'-west wind whistling again in my teeth.' "'Granny,' said the little mermaid, in a voice to which the old woman was better accustomed, Minnie wants to ken what for the Glenallan folk I bury by candlelight in the ruin of St. Ruth.' The old woman paused in the act of twirling the spindle, turned round to the rest of the party, lifted her withered, trembling, and clay-coloured hand, raised up her ashen-hued and wrinkled face, which the quick motion of two light-blue eyes chiefly distinguished from the visage of a corpse, and, as if catching at any touch of association with the living world, answered, "'What car's the granite family into their dead by torchlight?' said the lassie." Is there a Glenallan dead e now?' "'We might be aye dead and buried too,' said Maggie, "'for anything you would ken about it.' And then, raising her voice to the stretch of her mother-in-law's comprehension, she added, "'It's the aye countess, good mother.' "'And is she kied hame then at last,' said the old woman, in a voice that seemed to be agitated with much more feeling than belonged to her extreme old age, and the general indifference and apathy of her manner, is she then called to her last account after a long race of pride and power. O oh God, for her. But money was asking ye, resumed the lesser querist. What for the Glenallan family, I bury their dead by torchlight. They have I done so, said the grandmother, since the time the great earl fell in the sire battle o' the Harlow when they say the coronach was cried in ae day from the mouth of the Tay to the bulk of the Cabrac, that you would hae heard nae other sound but that of lamentation for the great folks that had fine fighting against Donald of the Isles. But the great earl's mother was living, they were a doughty and a dower race, the women or the house of Glenallan, and she would I nigh coronach cried for her son, but had him laid in the silence of midnight in his place o' rest without either drinking the dirge or crying the lament. She said he had killed, e'en now, that day he died, for the widows and daughters of the Highlanders he had slain to cry the coronach, for them they had lost, and for her son too. And say she laid him in his grave with dry eyes and without a groan or a wail. And it was thought a proud word of the family, and they aye stick it by it, and the mayor in the latter times, because in the night-time they admire freedom to perform their popish ceremonies by darkness and in secrecy than in the daylight. At least that was the case in my time. They would have been disturbed in the daytime, both by the law and the commons of Fairport. They may be o'erlooked now, as I heard. The world's changed. I was hardly ken whether I'm standin' or sittin', or dead or livin' and looking round the fire as if in a state of unconscious uncertainty of which she complained, old Ellsworth relapsed into her habitual and mechanical occupation of twirling the spindle. Hey, sirs, said Jenny Rintherout, under her breath to her gossip, it's awesome to hear your good mother break out in that gate. It's like the dead speaking to the livin'. You're no that far wrong, lass. She minds nothing o what passes the day but set her on old tales and she can speak like a print book she kens mair about the glenenden family than maist folk the good man's father was their fisher money a day ye mun ken the papis make a great point o eatin a fish it's nigh a bad part o their religion that whatever the rest is i could aye sell the best o fish at the best o prices for the countess's ain table grace be with her especially on a friday but see as our good mother's hands and lips are gangin now it's workin in her head like barm she'll speak enough the night well she'll no speak a word in a week unless it be to the bits o barns haig mrs Mucklebracket, she's an awesome wife said jenny in reply "D'ye think she's i together right folks say she done a gang to the kirk or speak to the minister and that she was so sub but..." Since her good man's been dead, nobody kens what she is. Do you think yourself that she's no uncanny? Canny, ye silly taupey, think ye own wife's less canny than another. Unless it be Alison Breck, I really couldn't conscience swear for her. I've kent the boxes she's set filled with part hands when— Wish, wish, Maggie, whispered Jenny, your good mother's gone to speak again. "'Wasn't there some I know ye said?' asked the old Sybil. "'Or did I dream, or was it revealed to me, "'that Jocelyn, Lady Glenallen, is dead, and buried this night?' "'Yes, good mother,' screamed the daughter-in-law. "'It's even say.' "'And even say let it be,' said old Elspeth. "'She's made money a sire heart in her day. ay, even her own son's. Is he living yet?' ay he's living yet but how long he'll live however didn't you mind his coming and asking after you in the spring and leaving siller he may be sae maggie i didn't mind it but handsome gentleman he was and his father before him Eh, if his father had lived they might have been happy folk but he was going and the lady carried it in over and out over with her son and guard him trow the thing he never sold high trowed and do the thing he has repented, aye his life, and will repent still, his life is long as this lying and wearisome mine o mine. Oh, what was it, Granny? and, what was it, good mother, and, what is it, lucky Esbeth? asked the children, the mother and the visitor, in one breath. Never ask what it was, answered the old sibyl, but pray to God. The yarna left to the pride and wilfulness are yarn hearts. They may be as powerful in a cabin as in a castle. I can bear sad witness to that. Oh, that weary and fearful night will never gang out of my eyed head. Ay, to see her lying on the floor with her lying hair dripping with the salt water. Heaven will avenge on I that had to do with it. Sirs, is my son out with the cobble this windy even? nigh nigh mother nigh cobble can keep the sea this wind he's sleeping in this bed out o'er yonder ahint the hallin is stinny out at sea then nigh granny, stinny's away out with aye daddy tree, the gabberlunsey maybe thou be going to see the burial that cannot be said the mother of the family we kite nothing out till jock rand came in and." told us the ikewoods had worn to attend they keep thy things uncou private and they were to bring the corpse either way frae the castle ten miles off under cloud night. she has lain in state this ten days at glenallan house in a grand chamber a hung with black and lighted with wax cannon. god i say sir ejaculated old elspeth her head apparently is still occupied by the event of the Countess's death. She was a hard-hearted woman, but she's going to account for it, aye, and his mercy is infinite. God grant she may find it, say. And she relapsed into silence, which she did not break again during the rest of the evening. I wonder what that old deft beggar Carly and our son Steeny can be doing out, in sick is this, said Maggie Mucklebacket and her expression of surprise was echoed by her visitor. "'Gang away! I ye heenies Up to the hue head, and guide them a cry in case they're within and The car cakes will be burnt to a cinder. The little emissary departed, but in a few minutes came running back with a loud exclamation, Hi money! Oi, granny! There's a white bogle chasin' twy black irons down the hue!' A noise of footsteps followed the singular annunciation and young steenie Mucklebackit, closely followed by eddie ochiltree bounced into the hut they were panting and out of breath the first thing steenie did was to look for the bar of the door which his mother reminded him had been broken up for firewood in the hard winter three years ago for what use she said had the like o them for bars there's nobody chasing us said the beggar after he had taken his breath we're even like the wicked, that flee when no one pursueth. Troth, but we were chased, said Steenie, by a spirit or something little better. It was a man in white on horseback, said Eddie, for the soft groan that wouldn't bear the beast flung him about. I would, that would, but I didn't think my odd legs could have brought me ive as fast. I ran a east as fast as if I had been at Prestonpans. Reader's Note this refers to the flight of the government forces at the Battle of Prestonpans, 1745. End reader's note. "'What oh, you daft coax!' said Lucky Mucklebackit. "'It will aye been some of the riders at the Countess's burial.' "'What?' said Eddie. "'Is the old Countess buried the night at St. Ruth's? Hoy, that would be the lights and the noise that scared us away. "'I wish I had kind. I would have stood them and—' No, left the man yonder, but they'll take care o' him. You strike o'er hard, Steenie. I doubt you foundered the chaid. Near a bit," said Steenie, laughing. He has broad, broad shoulders, and I just took measure o' them with the stang. "'Od oh, if I hadn't been something short with him, he would a knocked your old hams out, lad. Weel, and I wouldn't clear o' this scrape," said Eddie. It's tempt providence, nightmare but I cannot think it an unlawful thing to pit a bit trick on sic land open scoundrel that just lives by tricking honester folk. But what are we to do with this? said Steenie, producing a pocket-book. Who'd us, man? said Eddie, in great alarm. What guard ye to touch the gear? A very leaf of that pocket-book would be enough to hang us byth. I didn't ken, said Steenie. The book could find out of his pocket, I fancy, for I find it among my feet when I was grappin' about to see him on his logs again, and I just patted in my poach to keep it safe, and then came the tramp, o' horse, and you cried, RIN, RIN, and I had nae more thought of the book. We maun get it back to the loon some gate or other. Ye had better take it yourself, I think, with people light, up to bring in Akewoods. I wonder for a hundred pounds it was fund in our hands." Steeny undertook to do as he was directed. A bonny night ye had made out, Mister Steeny," said Jenny Rintherout, who, impatient of remaining so long unnoticed, now presented herself to the young fisherman. A bonny night ye had made out, tramping about with gubberlinsies and getting yourself hunted with warry cows when ye should be sleeping in your bed, like your father, honest man. This attack called forth a suitable response of rustic raillery from the young fisherman. An attack was now commenced, upon the car-cakes and smoked fish, and sustained with great perseverance, by assistance of a bicker or two of two-penny ale and a bottle of gin. The mendicant then retired to the straw of an outhouse adjoining. The children had one by one crept into their nests. The old grandmother was deposited in her flock-bed. Steenie, notwithstanding his preceding fatigue, had the gallantry to accompany Miss Rintherout to her own mansion, and at what hour he returned the story, saith not, and the matron of the family, having laid the gathering coal upon the fire, and put things in some sort of order, retired to rest the last of the family. Reader's Note to Chapter Fifth Note G. Gynecocracy In the fishing villages on the Firths of Forth and Tay, as well as elsewhere in Scotland, the government is gynecocracy, as described in the text. In the course of the late war and during the alarm of invasion, a fleet of transports entered the Firth of Forth under the convoy of some ships of war, which would reply to no signals. A general alarm was excited, in consequence of which all the fishers, who were enrolled as sea-fencibles, got on board the gunboats which they were to man as occasion should require, and sailed to oppose the supposed enemy. The foreigners proved to be Russians, with whom we were then at peace. The county gentlemen of Midlothian, pleased with the zeal displayed by the sea-fencibles, at a critical moment, passed a boat for presenting the community of fishers with a silver punch-bowl, to be used on occasions of festivity but the fisherwomen on hearing what was intended put in their claim to have some separate share in the intended honorary reward the men they said were their husbands it was they who would have been sufferers if their husbands had been killed and it was by their permission and injunctions that they embarked on board the gunboats for the public service they therefore claimed to share the reward in some manner which should distinguish the female patriotism which they had shown on the occasion the gentlemen of the country willingly admitted the claim and without diminishing the value of their compliment to the men they made the females a present of a valuable brooch to fasten the plaid of the queen of the fisherwomen for the time it may be further remarked that these nereids are punctilious among themselves and observe different ranks according to the commodities they deal in one experienced dame was heard to characterize a younger damsel as a pure city thing, who had no ambition, and would never, she prophesied, rise above the muscle line of business. End note G. End chapter 5.